engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. It's nine after the hour. I am Eric Erickson. This is WSB. Thank you for joining me this Friday evening. The phone number is 404-872-0750-1800. WSB Talk. And there is a boatload of news out there. We need to begin with the indictments. Rod Rosenstein having a press conference earlier. The Mueller team has indicted 13 Russians, three Russian companies. Regarding their involvement in American elections, what you need to know is that they began doing so in 2014. When Barack Obama was president, they began doing so, and they began during the Ferguson situation where Michael Brown was shot in Ferguson, um, and they were uh, fomenting uh, allegations on both sides, trolling both sides, peddling fake news, trying to seed uh, the ground for controversy and division in the United States that they then carried on into the electoral process. Now, interestingly enough, this came at a time where the Democrats were still claiming that Mitt Romney had been wrong in 2012 about uh, the Russians. They were still defending the Obama policies on Russia, claiming that they had really reset the relationship and everything was good with Russia. Um, The media doesn't like to pay attention to that. I think it needs to be pointed out every time Democrats start screaming, but Russia, because the Democrats in 2012 were ridiculing Mitt Romney for pointing out the Russians were a threat. Um, It's sad to see so many Republicans now dismissive of it. Uh, At least Mitt Romney held his ground. By the way, Romney announced today he is going to run for the Senate in uh, Utah. Now, we need to begin with Rod Rosenstein's press conference. We've got several bits of audio you need to hear. Before I I get to the, the serious allegations, I want to play the two caveats that Rosenstein issued because I have a feeling the way the media coverage is shaping up already this evening, we're not going to hear a lot about these two caveats uh, that Rosenstein went out of his way to make. Now, there is no allegation in this indictment that any American was a knowing participant in this illegal activity. There is no allegation that any American was a knowing participant in any of this activity. And then, let me make sure I can turn up the sound here so you got this one. Um, there's this one. What I've identified for you are the allegations in the indictment. There's no allegation in the indictment of any effect on the outcome of the election. No allegation in the indictment of any impact, any effect on the election. None. Now, those two need to be repeated. No Americans knew, no Americans knowingly participated, and there is no allegation that the Russians were actually able to affect the outcome of the election. Now, let's play the three overarching clips on the indictment. The defendants posed as politically and socially active Americans, advocating for and against particular candidates. They established social media pages and groups to communicate with unwitting Americans. They also purchased political advertisements on social media networks. The Russians also recruited and paid real Americans to engage in political activities, promote political campaigns, and stage political rallies. The defendants and their co-conspirators pretended to be grassroots activists. But again, no Americans knowingly knew they were working with Russians. No Americans uh, knowingly cooperated with the Russians. 
Uh, they may have set up some grassroots groups, uh, but they, the Americans who they were able to, to dupe didn't know they were working with the Russians. By the way, um, you should know, I, I turned on the radar and there is a, I mean, it is a band of drizzle um, mist, if you will. It's being picked up in bands across the metro area. Um, it is basically on either side of I-20. You have this band of mist that runs about 15, 20 miles on either side of I-20 uh, and then wraps around the north side of the perimeter. So if you and then if you head up towards Canton and Cartersville, you actually have rain. Otherwise, it's just it, it's a very light mist uh, that we are detecting on the radars here. Um, it, it heads even over into to Carrollton. Uh, my wife is out riding her motorcycle in this mist right now. Oh, say a prayer for him. <laughs> okay. Now, let us get back to the, there's more audio here. Um, listen to this. For those who, who think that this was throwing their hat in uh, to helping Donald Trump, and it was all about getting Donald Trump elected, please listen to this. After the election, the defendants allegedly staged rallies to support the president-elect while simultaneously staging rallies to protest his election. For example, the defendants organized one rally to support the president-elect and another rally to, impose, to oppose him, both in New York on the same day. Uh-huh. And now get this. The indictment alleges that the Russian conspirators want to promote discord in the United States and undermine public confidence in democracy. We must not allow them to succeed. I, I want to say something here because I've been the is subjected to these Russian trolls. And, you know, it was very interesting early on. Uh, you could tell it was Russian trolls primarily because they operated on Moscow time. They were active um, overnight and whatnot here. It was very weird timing and finally caught on that from about nine to five Moscow time. That's when they were most active. Uh, I got just unmitigated hate from these Russian social media trolls. It almost made Twitter unusable. I mean, they were deeply profane and insulting. Um, doctored pictures, Photoshop pictures of, of me and my family. Uh, not nearly as bad as, as one friend of mine who saw them uh, find his daughter's Facebook page at college and take her pictures and Photoshop her head onto extremely graphic, pornographic pictures. But it was the Russian trolls. And it was designed, um, one, to try to drive me away from social media, and two, to then inspire others to behave the same way. And it needs to be said whether you want to admit it or not. Um, there is something to this, and we see this in the president's own behavior, as people decide his behavior is acceptable, and they can behave that way as well. The the in-your-face style, fighting back and, and whatnot, and it was mirrored by Russian trolls. It is also worth noting that it wasn't just on Donald Trump's side. I was getting the, the, the big push regarding... Um, regarding Donald Trump and, and uh, that I needed to support him and it just all sorts of awful statements and whatnot. Um, but at the same time, there were bots doing the same thing for Hillary Clinton and for Democrats. Mo a lot of it was targeted as Republicans who weren't sold on Donald Trump were getting it from Trump supporters. Uh, 
And Democrats who weren't sold on Hillary Clinton were getting it from Hillary Clinton supporters. And over the course of the election, it shifted. And it was the uh, the the guys, the Republicans were getting it from the Hillary bots and the Democrats were getting it from the Trump bots. And it was all to begin with Russians. And what is I find psychologically fascinating here is that over time you actually had Americans then modeling the behavior of the bots and tweeting the, the same sorts of angry and profane ways. You had Americans showing up at rallies organized by Russians for and against the election. Now, what I find the most fascinating thing in all of this is that the media is going to focus on the pro-Trump side of all of it. They're going to ignore the pro-Hillary side of it. They're going to ignore that there were bots harassing Democrats who weren't down with Hillary Clinton as there were bots harassing, and by bots I mean either Russian trolls or automated accounts set up by the Russians, to harass Republicans who were critical of Hillary Clinton. There were Russians organizing protests to support Hillary Clinton. They're not going to want to focus on that because the media narrative is completely that that Donald Trump colluded with the Russians to help him get elected. And that's not what happened at all. You heard Rod Rosenstein again. The indictment alleges that the Russian conspirators want to promote discord in the United States and undermine public confidence in democracy. We must. After the election, the defendants allegedly staged rallies to support the president elect while simultaneously staging rallies to protest his election. For example, the defendants organized one rally to support the president-elect and another rally to, impose, to oppose him, both in New York on the same day. These were Russians trying to get Americans at each other's throat. And guess what? It worked. It is 26 after the hour. Let's go to the phones. Michael and Smyrna, you're up first. Welcome. Uh, hi, Eric. Uh, I want to uh, put this in, uh, the Russian thing in perspective. Uh, I've got a quote here from a biography of Joseph Stalin, first published in 1974. It's available on Amazon. Quote, Basic Soviet strategy in foreign affairs, under which the Comintern and the Foreign Commissariat operated as two arms of a dual policy, one working to overthrow capitalist governments while the other tried to conduct business with them, was essentially Lenin's creation, as was the notion of a Soviet diplomacy designed to reduce the insecurity of the revolutionary state by aggravating the discords between its enemies. It's been Russian foreign policy for a hundred years to protect itself by subverting possible enemies. Right. What you're seeing here, it's a hundred-year-old Russian foreign policy. By a former KGB operative now turned president of Russia. Pardon me? By a former KGB operative now turned president of Russia. You know, Chuck DeVore, a good friend of mine out in Texas who uh, was in the military for a while, worked for Reagan and whatnot, he just put this tweet up uh, with a link to a 1987 FBI report on Soviet interference in the United States. Let me just read you the tweet. The Soviet Union, then Russia influenced U.S. policy through the political process, forgery, front groups, and influence operations with the media, labor unions, and religious organizations going back for uh, since, since the Soviet Union. 
this this reports from 1987 and influencing this. Now, what is different now from then is the ability to influence individual Americans directly instead of through think tanks and whatnot through social media. They can directly connect. Uh, with Americans, Soviet or Russian operatives uh, directly connecting with Americans, posing themselves as Americans to really change the minds of Americans. That That's something brand new we haven't had before. Dangerous, but they did it to both sides because they want us at each other's throat. And man, how the gun control issue is doing that. I mean, look what's happening in Florida. It is 39 after the hour. I want to divert from national news to some local news. Um, and the phone number here, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Um, I, I, I need to deal with a, a local news issue before I do anything else. Because I know a number of you, you're in in church with members of the state legislature and whatnot, and many of them don't know about a piece of legislation that is trying to rapidly sail sight unseen through the legislature, and we need to raise their awareness about it and why they need to oppose it. Uh, It is a terrible piece of legislation that would allow puppy mills to thrive in Georgia. For those of you who don't know what a puppy mill is, it is essentially a store that uh, churns out puppies for sale. Often they are diseased or dying at the sale. So you spend a thousand dollars or so on your purebred lab, get it home, and four weeks later it's dead. Um, and there have now been a couple of instances in Georgia at a couple of these puppy mills where people, particularly kids, have gone into the stores. And have gotten serious illness, in one case, had to be hospitalized. And so local governments are cracking down on puppy mills in Georgia. And there is legislation now pending, uh, SB 418 in the Senate and HB 948 in the House, uh, that the puppy mill industry has given campaign contributions to several members of the state legislature, and now they're advancing legislation to protect the puppy mills against Georgians. Um, this is a, a not a good situation. Um, I want to play you some audio uh, from WSB TV conducted last year, as a matter of fact. Um, this is the reporter is Jim Strickland. It was on a situation with one of the companies involved called Petland, and you need to listen to this audio to get an idea of what's going on. I went looking for Petland Kennesaw's former preferred vet, Dr. Walton Waller, and I found this an order from just last May suspending his license. And I found this, court records outlining his assault conviction. He spent at least 120 days in minimum security. I also found one of Waller's former employees who turned whistleblower. It needs to be told the truth does need to come out. Jessica Padgett worked only a few months for Petland preferred veterinarian Walton Waller. She says it was long enough for him to confide this. That's when he told me, he said, I nick paperwork. That's what I do. I, I alter the paperwork. She swore in an affidavit Waller falsified records to make unhealthy dogs easier to sell. A lawsuit against the store contains a health certificate rubber stamped with Waller's signature. $2,900 
for a dog that lived five weeks. Her paperwork says Waller did the health check on Adrian Carter's Yorkie, a Christmas gift dead before Valentine's. Do you believe that Petland knowingly sold you a sick dog? I do. I do. Does this store knowingly sell sick dogs? Absolutely not. Store spokeswoman Lauren Petz says their puppies get multiple vet checks during the trip from the breeder to the store. We do everything that we can to prevent situations like that. Dr. Michael Good was the store's vet for 10 years. He has also sworn an affidavit against Petland. The whole motivation is profit. You can't tell me for a minute that people were concerned about the health and welfare of these animals. I want to just, re if you go to Google and you type in Petland and click the news tab, let me read you some stories. Te these are just the headlines. Teen contracts dangerous germ from puppy bought at Petland. Petland in Sarasota accused of selling sick puppy after nationwide review. New complaint that Petland sold family sick puppy. Pet Petland responds. Customer accuses Petland of selling her a sick dog following lawsuit. Um, the 113 sick from Campylobacter from Petland puppies. Those are the, those are the top headlines. Um, what these companies are doing are because local governments have started uh, cracking down on regulating them. They're going to state legislatures saying you need to pass a bill saying local governments can't shut us down if we violate um, all sorts of law, health laws and regulations. Uh, they can only do something if the FDA or the USDA has done something against us, which has looser regulations because they cover the entire nation. They're trying to do this to subvert local governments protecting citizens. They're trying to do this so that uh, puppy mills can thrive in Georgia, and we need to stop them. And most of the members of the legislature who are supporting this legislation don't have any idea that that's actually the intent of the legislation, to allow a puppy mill industry in Georgia that's already getting kids in Georgia sick, let alone selling dogs that die shortly after purchase. Uh, let me read you this. This is from uh, Jim Strickland. This is a WSB-TV report, a follow-up from just the other day. Channel 2 consumer investigator Jim Strickland has confirmed a Gwinnett teenager is the latest victim of a dangerous germ transmitted by a puppy from a Petland pet store. The teenager, who worked at the Mall of Georgia Petland store for a month, was rushed to a hospital with a fever near 105. Essentially, it felt like you were dying, said Katie Singleton, 16. It's something as a parent you don't think of. You buy a puppy for Christmas, you don't think it'll be dangerous to your child, said Dawn Strickland, or Singleton, the victim's mother. The girl was hospitalized for four days. Ten days before the illness hit, the family bought a miniature schnauzer named Bella. Test results obtained from Gwinnett County Public Health confirmed the dog carried the germ. Katie Singleton said the store never warned any employee about the ongoing outbreak or how to specifically lessen the risk of Campylobacter. You never got a memo, Strickland asked. Nope, we didn't get anything. This has been happening a number of times. Investigator Megan Nichols with the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention says outbreak detectives were surprised to learn Petland puppies can travel hundreds of miles and go from the breeder through middlemen before getting to the store. There's the possibility that an animal has come into contact with many other puppies and lots of people, and we know whenever that happens and the crowding of animals, there can be the potential for infections. Gwinnett County, Cobb County, and several other metro counties are cracking down on this because it's become a huge health concern, let alone just the humane concern of, of buying a diseased dog. 
a dog that's going to die shortly after coming into your home. And these puppy mills are responding by getting our state legislature to draft legislation, say, no, you're, you local governments, Cobb County, Gwinnett County, Lawrenceville, um, is Smyrna and the like, you're not allowed to touch these businesses. They're using money instead of cleaning up their stores and processes. They're using money to buy their way out of the problem through the legislature. And we need to stop this. This is not a partisan issue. This is wrong. And I urge you to reach out to your legislators this weekend if you see them. It's uh, Senate Bill 418 and House Bill 948, but Senate Bill 418 is the one that made it out of committee yesterday. It's in the Rules Committee, Senate Bill 418, and I'll make it real easy for you. Text WSB to 52886. Text WSB to 52886 right now, and that'll provide you all the information you need and make it real easy for you to reach out to your members of the legislature. And if you're in one of the top 10 cities in Georgia listening, you'll also reach out to your mayor and members of city council to let them know the legislature's trying to shut down their power to protect their local citizens. All righty, let's go back to the phones real quick. Steve, we only got about a minute, but I wanted to get you in here. Hey, hey how Steve. you doing, Eric? Good, how are you? Well, I'm doing great. I, I was listening to your story, and I'm, I'm going to tell you right now. If you go to these breeders, and you go to look at the property, and you go to look at the mom and dad, and it's all pretty and clean, that's not where they're breeding the dogs. I promise you. I've seen where they breed these dogs, and it's disgusting, and it's horrible. I've, I've seen things that would make you sick to your stomach, and these are the breeders that deliver to uh, Petland. Mm. And... Petland is a whole other story because I was a pet distributor for them as well. And the type of food and the uh, steroids and everything else that goes in those pet stores shouldn't be going to those pet stores. Gross. Steve, thanks Thanks very much for calling in. I appreciate you sharing that. Folks, if you go to the resurgent.com, you'll find the top post now. Um, if you don't have texting on your phone, you can see the post and find the Take Action link. Otherwise, text WSB to 52886 to take action now. It is nine after the hour. I am Eric Erickson. This is WSB. The phone number is 404-872-0750-1800 WSB Talk. Just real quick, I, I got a text from a friend at the Capitol saying, why are you wasting your time on this puppy mill bill on a Friday? Um, wait until Tuesday or Wednesday of next week. Well, I happen to know that a number of you uh, we'll see your legislators in church this weekend. Um, and so I want you to start raising their awareness now because even some of the sponsors of the legislation, who, people who are willing to sign their name onto the puppy mill legislation, didn't realize that w that's what it was about. And uh, they were duped. And they're trying to drum up support in the state legislature, and, and people have no idea uh, what this is about, and the the chief sponsors are kind of obfuscating and not telling them this is about keeping puppy mills in business. That's why I want. The, I'm I'm not done with the issue. I'm starting, 
We have not yet begun to fight. But I can tell you, I'm looking at the, the call to action program right now, and uh, there have been 371 messages generated already um, to your members of the state legislature and members of city councils across the state, letting them know what's going on. And again, uh, text the word or text WSB to 52886. And that will generate emails, tweets, and Facebook messages to your members of the legislature and city councilmen in certain cities, city councilmen, letting them know uh, that the legislature is trying to pass a law to shortcut local control over regulating puppy mills uh, at the request of the puppy mill industry. I want to move on, though, to other things, including some really disturbing reports and something that just happened in the last few minutes, the Florida sheriff in Parkland, Florida, has now confirmed his office has received around 20 calls regarding the school gunman over the past few years. The FBI is confirming it received multiple reports about the gunman in Parkland, Florida. Y'all, let's go to Sutherland Springs, Texas. The shooter there should not have owned a firearm. But federal bureaucrats in the Air Force failed to properly do the paperwork necessary to prevent him from purchasing a gun. In San Bernardino, California, the FBI had knowledge of the terrorists there and yet didn't do anything in Orlando, Florida. The FBI had knowledge of the terrorist in the nightclub and didn't do anything in Parkland, Florida. The FBI and the sheriff's office had knowledge of a guy wanting to shoot up a school who was buying firearms and they didn't do anything. What good is see something, say something, if the people you say it to don't do anything? Rick Scott, the governor of Florida, wants the FBI director to resign. I disagree because Christopher Ray is brand new on the job. Um, it's not his fault. James Comey, if he were there, should resign. Others at the FBI should resign. This isn't a problem about access to guns per se because had the FBI and the sheriff done what they should have done ahead of time he would have never gotten the guns time and again the NRA gets blamed for these things when it's the NRA members who are not shooting at the places it's the NRA members who are shooting the shooters like in Sutherland Springs Texas the NRA gets attacked what about the bureaucrats who keep screwing up you want the government to make us safer? Well, let's get the basics right before we start adding new laws restricting fundamental constitutional rights. Let's get the basics right. And they're not getting the basics right. Don't blame the NRA. Don't blame the gun. The gun didn't shoot itself. A shooter did. Don't blame the NRA. Blame the shooter. And if you got to look beyond the shooter, well, note that the FBI and local law enforcement completely dropped the ball. 
that's that's the story here, but nobody wants to talk about that. They want to blame the NRA. Y'all, we are seeing in this country bureaucratic breakdowns time and again. We are seeing the breakdown of law and order, and people want more guns. They, they, they want gun control. There really is... A, we, we, we were beginning to, to try to offload our, our safety to government in a way that it is clear government can't protect us. And we need to be taking responsibility ourselves. And, and you know, Ted Cruz... And Chuck Grassley proposed legislation that Democrats killed that, by the way, potentially, if implemented correctly, could have prevented problems like this. Now, I, I'm, I'm adding more pauses than perhaps I need to because I'm, I'm trying to find something at the same time. Um, Googling, yes, Ted Cruz getting attacked by Chris Cuomo and CNN for not showing up on CNN to answer tough questions. He spent 15 minutes giving CNN an exclusive and they never followed up. They never reported it. They, they never ran excerpts. The Grassley cruise bill would have added $300 million to the budget to improve school safety. And the Democrats blocked it. I mean, listen, we're not going to we're not going to repeal the Second Amendment in this country. Democrats, of course, will tell you all they need to do now is is they need to get one more person on the Supreme Court to to start interpreting. Well, I'm already seeing Democrats say we just have to win the Supreme Court. We don't have to win the Congress, just the Supreme Court. It's going to do nothing but embolden Republicans in 2018. Y'all. If we're not going to repeal the Second Amendment, which we're not going to do, improve school safety. Improve um, access to, to schools, the ingress and egress to schools. Make it so there's only one entry point, multiple exits, but only one entry point. Make it so that there is security personnel present. But beyond that, get the FBI and local law enforcement to do their job to thoroughly vet, to thoroughly screen to make sure that things like this don't happen. I, I There's no reason to, to revisit the argument ad nauseum, but I, I would refer you back to the op-ed in the New York Times from the lady who wrote for 538, who is anti-gun. And she spent a lot of time trying to find the silver bullet on gun repeal and discovered that actually there are a whole bunch of different policy positions we need to implement, one of them being a mental health screening and better treatment on mental health. It does no good to do as the Democrats are doing and scream that Republicans made it easier for people with mental health issues to get guns when that's a complete distortion, gross distortion of what the, the, the GOP did with the assistance, by the way, of the ACLU, not exactly a conservative group. They're trying to distort the issue. They're trying to obfuscate because Democrats would rather pass a new law than make sure government that's already in place functions as it should we are seeing incompetent government getting people killed not guns incompetent government letting insane people get guns who should have not gotten guns they fell through the cracks because of government bureaucrats 
not because of the NRA. It's 26 after the hour. The phone number 404-872-0750-1800 WSB Talk. Um, let's go on and get in some phone calls here. Robert in Atlanta. Robert, you're up next. Welcome to the program. Thanks, Eric. Uh, the problem I have with using mental illness is you'll get to the nth degree. And a good example is Karen Carpenter. Um, when she died, had anorexica, and that is considered a me- uh, mental disorder. So according to the uh, standards, she would not be able to get a handgun because of that. So my fear is uh, going to the nth degree, and you, um, being familiar with government, knows that's quite possible. Oh, totally. Listen, you, you, when you add, there are so many degrees of what mental health is, and uh, it's also highly politicized as well. I mean, look, look at uh, some of the cultural norms that have shifted in the country because liberals infiltrated uh, psychology groups to say, oh, no, 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 th- this isn't a mental health issue. I mean, transgenderism be, being one of the, the latest to consider. Um, and oh, yet, please. go ahead. Um, just humor, tongue-in-cheek. Mike Savage says uh, mental um, liberalism is a mental disorder. Maybe we can get all of the liberals <laughs> from their thinking. Yeah, you, you never know. We, we might be able to. Look, yeah, yeah, Charlie, my producer, raises a great point. What about football players? Uh, they might have CTE. We better not allow them to own guns. They've played football. They could have a, they could have a concussion that could lead to, to CTE. I mean, you can see where all this is headed. It, it is, it's, it's not good. Um, we got less than a minute, so those of you on hold, please be patient. Uh, if you want to call in, 404-872-0750-1800, WSB-TALK. We'll take more phone calls when we come back. And also, I saw it. Went to see Black Panther last night. My goodness. It is an entirely different cultural experience to go to a movie uh, when the majority of the audience for, for the showing is, is black than, than white. Um, when you go to a movie and the majority of the audience is black, oh my goodness, it is it is the greatest movie viewing experience at all time. The number of people yelling at the screen, um, it just it was fantastic. We'll talk about it when we get back. It's 39 after the hour. Let's go back to the phones. Ron and coming. You are up next. Welcome. How are you? Good. How are you? Can you hear me okay? I sure can. All right. A couple things. Uh, point one, we are reactive. We do not do anything proactive to make sure this does not happen in our schools. Item, item two, that gentleman that shot that school up knew that when he walked into that school, he would not meet an ounce of resistance. He figured it out. He planned it. He executed it. It's a form of terrorism, and terrorists need to be met with equal and greater force. We're not doing that. No, we're not. I, I will say, though, and, and I've seen a number of people urge the idea that we need to be proactive in, in legislating and regulating and whatnot. And I, I actually 
philosophically disagree with the idea of proactive regulation um, and proactive legislation to a degree uh, because I think that uh, mankind has a tendency to project what is going to happen and pass rules and regulations to stop that and what actually happens winds up circumventing them and going around them. And by most cases, it turns out after the fact, it wasn't an intentional way to go around the, the proactively enacted regulation. It was just afterwards like, oh, yeah, that would be how it happened. Um, I, I think government has to react to passing laws and regulations. I mean, look, net neutrality is one of those issues. Um, net neutrality is um, where they tried to fix a problem that had not yet occurred and in the process stifled uh, the development of an industry. And that's a big problem. Uh, back to the phones. Bob and Buford, you're next. Welcome. Hey, Eric. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. And uh, I was curious to know if you had heard any uh, reports of how the shooter gained access to the school. Did he come in through a back door? I don't think he was enrolled in the school. 19 years old, I don't think he was still enrolled. I No, he wasn't. In fact, he was barred from going to the school. I have not yet heard all the details on how he was able to get into the school. Um, and you know, there was an armed guard at the school who never was, who wasn't aware that the shooter was there when, when he came and began firing shots. So he clearly was able to get into the school, not through the front door, um, through another, uh, and that, uh, we gotta, we, we gotta figure out those facts. I don't want to speculate on those. It, Dean and Douglas, you're next. Welcome. Take you off speaker. Yes, uh, this this whole thing, and it goes all the way back to Sandy Hook and even before. I remember back in the 30s, and I've read this, where a politician, a Democrat, got ticked off because he uh, lost the race, and he blew a school up with dynamite, 35 kids and, and uh, teachers. I'll be very honest. This breakdown with the bureaucrats, I would not put it past these bureaucrats who are all leftists are allowing this to happen. Yeah, Dean, I, I, I don't think so. I, I don't think the bureaucrats are allowing it to happen. I think bureaucrats, um, they tend to overlook things. I, I, I don't think there was an intentional desire to allow people to shoot up, to allow a kid to shoot up a school. Um, I just, I don't think people think that way by and large. Um, and I think when we get into the habit of thinking people think that way, we begin to degrade ourselves and, and begin to mirror and look like them. I think we got to be careful with that. Okay, I, I got to tell you guys, um, you know, typically when I go to the theater nearest my house, um, it's for a late night showing. There aren't a ton of people there. Uh, overwhelmingly, it, it tends to be a, a wider audience in uh, the area that I live. And, you know, it, it's like white people and black people church. You go into to a, your typical white church and, I mean, there's no clapping or there may be some clapping. There aren't a lot of amens. Uh, there's nothing. You, you go to a black church, and it, it is an experience in and of itself, by and large. Uh, the amens, the clapping, the, the emotional energy that goes into the service from the pastor and from the congregants is something. And, and that's what it's like with going last night to see Black the to see Black Panther was like that. Going to the theater, um, I mean, the people yelling at the screen, and it was just it was it was hilarious experience. Yeah, there, <laughs> there was one scene uh, where. The bad guy declares he's going to steal an object, and um, when a woman informs him it's not for sale, 
he informs her that he's going to take it back just like you colonizers took it to begin with. And <laughs> there was a moment in theater where you could tell the white audience like, uh, can we laugh at that or not? Uh, everybody else was. It was a good movie. It was. It is not the masterpiece some are talking about. Variety has an article out tonight about what a revolutionary act that movie was. Just existing was revolutionary. No, it's not. No, it's not. Um, it was nice to see a Marvel movie that finally dealt with more, with deeper themes. Uh, abandonment. Uh, growing up, a child without a father in the black community was addressed. Uh, trust issues were addressed, uh, the development of trust after abandonment, um, betrayals of parents. Um, those, uh, there were some deeper themes there than you normally get in a Marvel movie. It was a, it was a good movie. Uh, I, I would put it right. Maybe I really liked the first Iron Man and, and Captain America Civil War. I like this better than Captain America Civil War. Uh, Spider-Man Homecoming, I think was right up there. Sonny Bunch, who rarely do he and I see eye to eye on these things. Um, say it and Spider-Man Homecoming, probably two of the best Marvel movies made. Yeah, I think so. it was good. It was, it was not the, the masterpiece of wokeness or anything else. Some people have claimed, uh, it was a really good movie and I highly encourage you. If you want to see it, go see it in the theater right now while the clouds are large. It is an energizing experience. I mean, there was a line out the door when I went to last night's IMAX showing, uh, and I got a really good seat, but uh, the theater was packed and my kid wanted me to take him to see it tonight. And uh, by the way, it is a PG 13. There's, there's a little bit of profanity. If the profanity wasn't there, they probably would have gone with PG there. It is more violent than your typical Marvel movie. Uh, there's a little more blood than your typical Marvel movie. And uh, I counted, I think three or four bits of profanity. It, it wasn't really bad. Um, it just, I think it was just the intense action is what got it to PG 13 and, and a couple of those couple of, I mean, not even really a handful of cuss words in there. It was a good movie. Uh, and I think my kids are nine and 12 and I would be okay with them going to see it with me. Uh, so we can talk about it on, on the ride home. There are a couple of intense scenes, but I mean, I, I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. Uh, and it's nice to know that Marvel can actually make a movie that has a distinct soundtrack. Very, very good bits of classical music interwoven with African themes and the music. I just, it was a delightful experience. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it, folks. And I it definitely, if you're thinking you want to go see it, go on out and see it when you can. It's 56 after the hour. All right, y'all. I've saved it for the end, but we got to get into this. Here we have Ronan Vero, who many of you were were talking about calling into the program and whatnot when he was reporting on Harvey Weinstein. Well, now he's reporting on Donald Trump that right after Melania had Barron, uh, the president was in an affair with the Playboy model. Also, at the time, he was sleeping with the adult film star. Um... And they've got all the documentation and everything, and it's hard to say this didn't happen, and I'm sure some will want to. And I would just tell you again, I've got a review of David Brody's new book, The Faith of Donald J. Trump, A Spiritual Biography. Um, it's finally time to admit that a lot of these people who are evangelicals and support the president, it's completely a transactional relationship. Um, they're using him, and he's using them, and they don't want to admit they're in a user uh, transactional relationship, but they are. 